Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another Elm Park Royal post-match podcast in association with Blue Collar Street Food. Finally, a win to talk about just as we go into the international break. I'm joined by Matt Lansley. How are you, Matt? Oh, a bit croaky this morning. How are you doing? Yeah, I was. I had a few cups of tea just to make sure that I wasn't, you know... <laughs> gonna gonna drown on for ages which i am now doing and i'm joined by alex as well how are you alex i'm quite jealous matt that you uh get one post-match post-match podcast and it's a win straight away well i don't want to say it's someone's fault alex but you did host four consecutive losses i know i think i've been banned yeah well it's good that you're off it for this one anyway so um yes a, a win and, and a fun win, but pre-match, all the talk was actually about Paunovic and how secure his job was. Um, was that fair, Matt? Um, I mean, it made for an interesting journey up, I have to say. <laughs> when the news broke, I don't think me and Alex could quite, quite not, not believe it, because I don't, I don't think you can never not believe anything now with Reading FC and what comes out of, you know, what the owners are planning to do, etc. But I mean, if he would have been sacked, I mean, it would just, yeah, it's what, what what more can you want from him right now? You know, he's got a team that's riddled with injuries. Yes, you some people might say, oh, well, the manager, he's doing something wrong in training, the physios, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is he's had, you know, 12, 10 players out for months now, seemingly. You know, what more can he do? The fact that we're, you know, we've got 22 points is pretty damn good, I think. You know, it, it, it's it's not, yeah, it, 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 it would have been such a baffling decision because you just think, why? Why, is, why are they doing this and what are they hoping for? What's the objective of sacking him? Yeah, and I think, as you say, like changing manager doesn't bring back all those injured players. Whoever comes in would have a pretty horrible time of it. Um, Alex, were your feelings much the same that it, it was, uh, you know, not surprising, but also a little bit, not understandable yeah it's a little bit surprising but also not really that surprising at the same time i guess right uh if you lose five games in a row there's always going to be some talk about whether you're suitable to continue in the job no matter what the context i guess and i think that's you know yesterday's result kind of hopefully will put some um put some silence to those rumors for a little bit and uh 
maybe we'll maybe we'll have a bit more stability for the next six weeks. Yeah, because it's, it's actually quite interesting that it wasn't that long ago that we were having this same discussion pre-first international break. And it seems like Paunovic at the minute, if nothing else, is winning the games that he needs to to stay in a job. So, you know, good on him. Good on him. Um, the other chat pre-match was about uh, Moore and Ajaria and whether they would be fit. Apparently, they were limping down the tunnel at Millwall and there were some rumours that they wouldn't start. Uh, they thankfully were still in the team uh, because I do not know who would have replaced them and what system we would have ended up playing. It would have been, uh, well, who, who knows what it would have been. Uh, Yeardon coming in for Ashcroft uh, to make, you know, a completely sensible change. Uh, Matt, were you happy about the eleven? Yeah, uh, like I mean, when when you saw the news broke breaking in the morning about Moore and um, Ajaria, I, I mean, again, you just looked at it and you think. Oh, do I really want to travel? <laughs> Do I really want to go to Birmingham today? Um, but yeah, no. To see to see them in the in the starting lineup, it was it was it was a nice relief. Um, Yeardorm as well coming back as well uh, after the midweek. I mean Ashcroft, you know, did very very well um, in his own right on on when uh, on Tuesday. Sorry, but you know you, you you'd much rather have have the the um at the, the head of Yeardorm back in back in the team. So yeah. You, there's not really much else to choose from, like you say, in the team. So it's just as, as good as we could, we could put out, really, I think, right now. Uh, and Alex, do you think that sticking with the 5-3-2, 3-5-2, 5-3-1-1, you call it, do you think that was the right decision? And uh, I'm trying to talk without hindsight here, um, going into the match. Yeah going, yeah, going into the match, I think it made sense to do it. I don't think we were... I don't think we conceded that many chances against Millwall, particularly, um, and it, it didn't feel like it was a. It didn't feel like it was a complete failure against Millwall or anything like that. And giving up on that after one ninety-minute performance, where it wasn't, it wasn't bad by by any means. It wasn't like a roaring success either. But I think it would have been a bit of a, you know, a, maybe just a little bit of an omission that perhaps it was the wrong choice in the first place to change over to, to that against Millwall if we were just to change straight back. So I think it made sense to start with 5-3-2 yesterday or whatever the system is meant to be. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a 5-3-2 effectively. You could call it a 5-3-1-1, I guess, with Swift dropping off of Puskas, but, you know, they're just numbers at the end of the day. Um, and the afternoon didn't start too well, and I'm not even talking about the turnstiles and the delayed kickoff uh, when... Liam Moore gave up Reading's now, you know, usual back pass goal to Scott Hogan. Um, God, it just wasn't very good, was it, Matt? Like, uh, there's nothing else you can really say about it. No, you'd barely stumbled into the ground from from your pub as well. And <laughs> I mean, if if omens uh, if omens at Birmingham was something to go by, it was a brilliant decision by Moore. Well done. But yeah, no, I was saying I, I was saying to. Alex, at the, uh, at the time, to be fair, like we 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 hadn't had a comical Reading FC goal for quite some time, so we, we we were probably due one. But I mean, it was it was just dire. I mean, under under hit, miss hit, whatever you want to call it, in the second minute, you just can't be doing that. You know, it's it's just rule one because you've just shot yourself straight in the foot. And you know, this is a team which you would have thought coming into the game. If you go behind, there's very, you know, there's very little chance of coming back because of everything that's against the team at the moment. But yeah, it is just rule one, really. Rule one, just don't do what Moore did, but he did, unfortunately. I mean, one one thing about that is 
I don't really understand why we're going back to Southwood in the third minute of the game in the first place. It doesn't it just didn't really make a lot of sense. We didn't need to to you know to do that particularly and um it, yeah, as Matt said, it isn't very it isn't a very good touch from Moore in the first place, but one of the I think it's just one of those things that happens every so often, doesn't it, to every team that you end up with this like bizarre piece of defending or goalkeeping which inevitably results in a you know very very simple goal for your position well at the time I thought it was actually as you kind of say it it wasn't a simple pass to play given where the ball was coming from and it was bouncing a bit um but looking back at the highlights I think I might be being a bit kind to him because it it doesn't come particularly quickly and I think it's one of those that you're going to get in the second minute, but when you've played maybe 80, 85, you're, you're in the game and, and maybe you time that a bit better. It's it, it's it's unfortunate. It, I mean, it's still bad, but it, it was unfortunate in, in some ways. Um, thankfully, it didn't affect us too much because Birmingham, they they didn't really have much else, Alex. They, they kind of... I mean, if you watch if you watch the kind of condensed highlights of this match, not a lot happens in the first half. No, um, and I mean we were watching we were watching the stadium yesterday, and I, I said to Matt after about half an hour that they're not they weren't very good. Birmingham. I mean, that's not to say Reading were world beaters yesterday in the first half, but Birmingham didn't really create anything at all, despite the fact that Reading were playing quite poorly. Um, there was a lot of misplaced passes from both sides. And I don't really think there's, as you said, there wasn't really any major chances from the first half, except for the goal. Um, both sides just struggled really to get anything going. I'd say perhaps Reading, after maybe 20, 25 minutes, controlled the ball a bit more, but neither team really created any like good opportunities at all. Yeah, and it was one of those where you go in at half time and and people are obviously quite down because the scoreline's one 0 and it's kind of all happening again. But but as you say, like take that goal out of it, and I think we were always in the game, Matt. But as Alex says, oh Alex, do you want to come back? Go ahead. No, it's fine. Yeah. Sorry, I thought we were always in the game, but not necessarily um, not necessarily threatening, Matt. Yeah, and to be fair as well, to to add on to what what Alex said as well, he kind of said it um, towards the end of the first half as well. He, he um, if we if we score, we're going to win this because it, it it was it was just one of those it was one of those games. Birmingham were were just not not doing anything, and like they were looking tired, they were looking lethargic. Obviously, I know they had a few injuries of of their own coming into this game as well, but. It was very much like Millwall. It was very much like Millwall in the week. You know, it, it 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 was a it was a fine performance. You take away that second that second minute calamity by Moore, and you you're probably looking at it again like this is another fine performance. Yes, we've not done a huge amount, but Birmingham have been limited. You know, either by their own play or by the back back line, whatever you want to whatever way you want to look at it. But yeah, it it, it wasn't it wasn't a bad performance. I just always thought we, we're not scoring at the moment. You know, it, it, it like I just I, I said to Alex, I think I was a little more pessimistic than he was at halftime, and because um, I just couldn't see us, I couldn't see us scoring because it was again like say just another game where we just couldn't we just couldn't create anything really, um, and it just you were just looking at it thinking where's the goal coming from? 
yeah, hundred percent. And obviously, off the back of the last few games, that's you know, I think everyone in that stand had virtually the same same thought. Um, but we did actually change it at half time, which is incredibly unusual. Um, Jamari Clark made way. Uh, sorry, came on for George Puskas, which isn't that unusual, but to give him so much time is both. And my personal thought process at that point was more that it's how unhappy they are with Puskas. That that sub always to me says more about Puskas than it does about Clark. Um, I, I I saw a tweet yesterday that actually um, it was supposed to be Paunovic's 70th minute sub, but obviously with the game delay, he was still working on the normal <laughs> clock. So that, that was what was going on there, clearly. Yeah, didn't I didn't realise the game was delayed. Exactly, exactly. And then, um, and we also switched up to a 4-1-4-1. Um, so scrapped the back five, which yeah, apparently, yeah, Alex, after 90 minutes, it might have been... <laughs> Uh, after sorry, after ninety minutes at Millwall, it might have been admitting defeat, but we admitted defeat after one hundred and thirty-five minutes of using it anyway. Um, and I think that it like those those changes both worked right. Um, we can come on to Jamari Clark a bit later, but I thought that the four-one-four-one straight away gave us more of a threat, Alex. Um, yeah, I think it gave us more of a threat. Uh, certainly, out wide, we looked far more threatening. Geared um, on just was imperious in the second half. It's probably one of the best 45-minute performances I can remember from from Andy Yeardham at Reading, I think. Going forwards, he was just brilliant. Every time he touched the ball, he looked like he was going to create a chance. Uh, I think he's he's very unlucky not to have scored in the second half um, because he's had probably for two or three chances where he's he's had a, had a decent shot on goal. And at the back, we, we looked more solid once we went to four at the back as well. Whether that's because, you know, Liam Moore and Scott Dan are just more suited to playing in a, you know, back two centre-back uh, role. Um, or whether Birmingham just didn't really offer that much going forwards. It, it's probably, you know, half of one and half of the other. Um, but we, we certainly just looked more solid. I think every player really looked better in that system. Um, Josh Lawrence looked much more comfortable in a in a system where he was kind of given a almost a defined role, I think, to sit in front of the back four, and um, yeah, we we just looked much more threatening going forwards because mostly because of Andy Yeardom, um, I think, and Jamari Clark was kind of the the beneficiary of that. Yeah, sorry, yeah, Matt, go on. Can I just put a question out there as well because it's 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 a bit of an interesting one around the formation because. Obviously, we're going back a bit, but obviously under Bowen, the best formation was four one four one under him, and seemingly the best formation we're seeing at the moment is four one four one. Do you think this Reading side is suited to a four one four one or four one? Uh, yeah, four one four one. Yeah, four one. Uh, I mean, personally, I I don't love the four one four one just because of how, and especially under Bowen, it was incredibly defensive and kind of ground out results that maybe sometimes we didn't deserve. Um, and also that that kind of takes away a lot of last season when we weren't playing it and we were playing a 4-2-3-1 and looking quite good. Like it's doing its job at the minute, I think. Um, but with everyone back in the team, I don't think it would be my first choice formation. Um, although maybe with Lucas Shaw up front, it could work even better. The the one thing about playing 4-1-4-1 at the minute is I think it appeases a lot of people who have said, why aren't we trying to adapt to the players that we have available to us? And yeah, that's that's been one of the major complaints about people. Well, people have had about Paunovic in the last, however long, six weeks is we've haven't changed the system, and we we I mean we have, 
but that's been a major complaint is that we haven't changed the system and we've been playing the same style and the same system despite the fact that we've uh you know lost 10 11 12 players um and then all of a sudden we've changed to 4141 and it seems to have got the best out of a number of players in the in the team well so i think i find that an interesting point because obviously when I hear that critique, a lot of that critique is actually about going forward, not not defending. And I'd say it does not suit the, our like George Puskas, who is playing as our lone striker, which I I think is probably why we've seen other players given a chance there, admittedly. Um, but we started this game with George Puskas playing as a lone striker. Although that that's sort of why... This is why he's been changing formation, though, right? Like part of the five-three-one-one, presumably, is to try and give Puskas that that other player to play around him, um, which we took away with the four-one-four-one. So, so maybe that's why we changed Jamari Clark at halftime as well. I mean, who knows? It's there, there are so many things to juggle with being a football manager. I guess that that sometimes you, you kind of lose some of them in in the muddle. Um, should, should we talk about Jamari Clark, Matt? He yeah, was quite good, go wasn't on. He? He, he, <laughs> he was he was he was relatively good that half, so yeah. We can give that it that's it. Uh that's it. Jamari Clark chat done. No, I what what I thought was interesting is um and and we were talking about this just before the, the pod. Um that some of what um we talk about George Puskas is like the number of touches that he's had and, and whatnot. Um and, and how that kind of defines how well he's played. Jamari Clark barely touched that ball and he scored two goals. Um, mm. it, it was it, it was both a, a good performance and a performance where he didn't do a whole lot, right? Ultimately, as a striker, it always comes back to how many goals you score, though. And with George Puskas, because he wasn't scoring, everything comes back to what else has he done? So oh, yeah, I, I mean, then, I agree with that, but I just yeah. think it's a... That, I think number of touches is probably a metric that we should put to bed for how well a striker is playing. Yeah. If George Puskas touches the ball five times, it doesn't really matter if he scores two goals, does it? And it's the same with Clark yesterday. I don't think Clark necessarily was... Um, you know, I don't think he necessarily changed the game in the way he was on the ball and held the ball up and, and this kind of thing. But he was just in the right place at the right time when the ball was going forwards, which is ultimately we what we've been missing for, you know, pretty much since the start of the season. Um, and that's that's going to be what you judge him on, not how many touches he has, as you say. Uh, it's, I think it's probably time to forget the how well has he played metric and just, or not metric, but how well <laughs> has he played and, and just, just focus on, you know, has our striker had shots on goal? Have they scored? You know, that's that's what we're looking for at the end of the day. Well, it's interesting because Jamari Clark, he might have played minutes, um, but he wasn't having shots before this. He actually scores with his first championship shot. Um, that kind of bullet header. And, and I know for the second goal, it is about being in the right place at the right time, Matt, but... I think that's slightly reductive for that first goal because he, he makes quite a nice run across his man. And okay, John Swift is going to pick out, you know, you all day. And it's a it's a great header. It's a great goal, right? Yeah. And I think it's 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 one of the runs that I think we've been waiting and wanting Puskas to do for quite some time as well, because there's been a few balls that have come in like that. But I mean, the intelligence of the run is fantastic. The way he... Yeah, I'm, you know, he, he he starts off on on defense back shoulder, runs runs across, runs in front, gets there first, and the power 
the power of the header is just something else really um you know i mean very few keepers are going to be are going to be saving that um the directional it doesn't really matter he's got it on target and that's all you really need to do with a header like that um you know when it's so close um but yeah like 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 you say being his i, I think that was his 10th appearance as well wasn't it so you know his first having his first shot and going in like that i mean it's kind of kind of what dreams are made of for kids kids like that i mean he's had a i was talking to alex actually kind of um before the game about clark actually or it might have even been at half time um because like you kind of wondered having played nine games prior yes they've all been sub appearances would his confidence start to take a knock having not played but given that he's a lot of the time he's only been coming on for five ten fifteen minutes how much chance he actually had really to to get goals to change games it's obviously been a criticism of Paunovic in the past but you know he come he, he comes on for a half and i mean start, start starting off like that yes it was the goal came at about 70 minutes but you you couldn't really ask much much more of clark in that situation it was a great goal yeah did really well and um well, between those his two goals, Birmingham actually have a quite a good chance uh, from Troy Deeney to go back ahead. So let's talk about that for just a quick second, where there's a ball in from, um, I, th- I think it's Bella on, on the left-hand side, who um, also had a very good shot of his own go just wide after cutting inside Yeardom and Holmes. Um, Troy Deeney gets, well, Matt, you were saying it's very similar to Clark's in some ways. Troy Deeney gets across more, and but his header just uh, hits the post. He kind of tries to direct it into that far corner. Um, Alex, if we had conceded then, I think we'd be talking about a very disheartening performance. But sometimes those are the fine margins that you kind of need in in, in the championship, right? Yeah, it's a game of inches, right? It, um, if the ball, ball hits the inside of the post and goes in, we're probably talking about a 2-1 loss and, and who's going to be the next manager of Reading FC. And the ball hits the you know the front of the post, bounces out, and we go on to win the game. Um, it's a good chance for for Birmingham. Like Dini does, uh, you know, it's a very similar kind of chance to to the way that Clark scored. He runs out in front of the defender at the near post and tries to head it across the goal. Um, it's just that his header is further across. Um, but he tries to put it further across and into the far corner, and it's it's just not not quite on target. Um, That's really though, uh, I can't remember any other chances after we equalized that Birmingham had. Um, I think that was the the biggest one they had. And it it felt like once we kind of weathered the storm for five minutes or so uh, after, after the goal, Birmingham didn't really, they didn't really create too many, many opportunities after that. Yeah, and I think I think what was nice um, in some ways was it was like watching Reading from last season where, okay, the home side are trying to push on to get a goal a little bit, but Reading don't necessarily look too bothered about it, like defensively cope quite well. And then they hit their, you know, op- opponents on the counter attack, uh, Matt. Um, do we think it was a foul in, in the build-up for Yeardom? Or, or are, we, are we disagreeing with, uh, with Boya? Um, it's, it's just before my answers. Um, Lee Bowie was always going to find an excuse for whatever the winner was, so yeah. it doesn't like. Well, well, personally, I think it is on the edge of being a foul. Um, yeah, 
but like like go, go, going on to the Lee Bowyer thing, thing, he also said I think it was one game too many for his for his players when they've got I think it's five or six out injured. When you look at the Reading team with our injury list, like. Is this a game of top trumps, Lee? Like, come on. <laughs> but but no, I, I think it's one of it's one of those, like say, it's on the edge. I think I'd be very frustrated if it is given a foul. Um, but it's probably one if you give it if it's given a foul, you could probably see why it's been given because he's coming from the side, he wins the ball, there's no question about that. The question is how much of the man has he taken before he's got the ball? Um, you know, I think that's the big question. I think I think looking on Twitter, Birmingham fans were pretty 50-50 anyway on whether it was a foul, whether it wasn't. I saw quite a few saying that it was a perfectly good challenge, loads saying it was a blatant foul. Um, so I, I it's I think it's one of them, you know. Again, I think the ref was letting letting a lot go yesterday because there was a lot of rough and tumble that wasn't being penalised yesterday. Birmingham, they did get quite a few yellow cards. But there was a lot of physical play that the ref was letting go. So maybe that's why he let that challenge go, because there was a lot in the game, which which he probably could have blown up for both teams that he didn't. Well, it's, it's good that he did let it go because uh, Yidom turned into prime Jimmy Kebe, uh, <laughs> just absolutely breezing past everyone. He could have won uh, about three fouls as well, I think, on the way. Yeah, it was, yeah, he could. He manages to pass incredible. it into John Swift, doesn't he, who... Um, hits the goalkeeper and the ball falls to Jamari Clark. Alex, talk us through it from there. So, yeah, Jamari Clark picks up the ball, what, eight yards out um, after this rebound from uh, from from the John Swift shot and pretty much hits it with his left foot straight back at the keeper again. Um, it, and he's tried to put it to the near post. The keeper's kind of stood on his, his near post and he's uh, Clark has tried to put it well, he's tried to put it in the near post and he's hit it straight at the keeper. Um, I think there's a defender who, once the ball is rebounded again for the second time um, after the keeper makes the save, potentially could pick up the rebound, but the ball falls in. There is no better place it would have fallen for Clark than where it's fallen to him. Um, as Clark kind of runs, he's running across the penalty area almost and the ball kind of falls to him as he's running onto it. Um and he basically just toe pokes it home from six yards, seven yards. Um, and it's straight into the center of the goal. Keeps got no chance because he's still recovering from the, from the original shot. Um, and the celebrations were fantastic. Um, both from the fans and the players. It was awesome to see the reaction of the players. Like they all just, you could see um, if you, if you watch the highlights, you can see the reaction of the players in the penalty area. They all just like jump up as soon as Clark puts the ball in the net. Um, because I guess they, they can all tell how big of a goal it was. And yeah, the celebrations in the away end were, were kind of ballistic, really. Um, it's brilliant, brilliant to be involved in. Yeah, I guess that's also sort of the fine margins that uh, we were talking about with Troy Deeney's chance is just the fact that John Swift shot, the rebound from that falls to Jamari Clark and not any of the five Birmingham City players around him. It, it, it could not have been more perfect with, with both chances. And OK, the the first shot might not be great and, and you could, I guess, criticise the goalkeeper a little bit for, for palming it back into harm's way, but... At the end of the day, uh, as we were saying earlier, as long as he scores, it doesn't really matter. And uh, Matt, yeah, the scenes in the away end, the, the atmosphere, the whole kind of afternoon, maybe it was that extra half hour in the pub, um, really got people going. But 
it's just nice to be back in in an atmosphere like that after maybe not having so much fun recently. It was, it was, and to be fair, all game, all game, the atmosphere was 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 pretty good. You know, singing constantly, it probably made up for for the first seventy minutes. To be fair, it made the first seventy minutes quite a lot more bearable. To be fair, it, it was it was good fun. But I mean, when those two goals went in, I said I said to Alex uh, at one 0 I mean, there's going to be limbs in this end if if it goes back to one one and. God knows what you can call what what the goal at two one was, um, but <laughs> but but yeah, it, it was it was it was just a it was just a great day. Like you say, maybe it was the extra half an hour people or some people had at the pub um, that, that that made everyone a bit a bit more um, a bit more lardy dar and all that. But <laughs> it was it, it 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 certainly was a good day. It was a good day. It was good to be back. It was good to witness another an away win because I've missed, missed Fulham, Fulham away um, I've done pretty much all the other shocking away days this season but yeah no it was it was good to get a it was good to get a win I think one thing about uh, Reading's away fans certainly in the last 18 months two years if you haven't been to an away game for a few years I would definitely encourage going because they're definitely they've changed a lot for in in, in the away ends Reading's yeah. a traditionally I would say seven, eight, nine years ago would be 90% of people sitting down and it would be very quiet in an away end. Um, now it's probably the other way around. I would say it's probably 70 or 80% people stood in the away end the entire time. And it's pretty much chanting for 90 minutes, whether we're doing poor, whether we're in poor form or not. Um, it's, it's, it's much more enjoyable to be in. Uh, and um, you know, full credit to to the Reading fans who are travelling away from home because it's a it's a you know it's a good atmosphere and it makes for a, a much more enjoyable day out. Hundred percent, and and yes, I, I've been to a few away days this this season. Obviously, Fulham was pretty exciting. Uh, Birmingham was great. Um, commentary was good up until the end. We do we don't talk about the end of commentary. But anyway, you know. Um, uh, and as you say, Alex, I think our away support has improved dramatically uh, recently, and and that we we could talk about this for ages. I'm sure it goes a, a little bit back to Club 1871 and kind of the atmosphere they're trying to instill in the home games, and and kind of bringing that away. And it's just nice to see so so many youngsters there, so many, um, even some drinking in the pub when maybe they weren't supposed to be. But that's uh, <laughs> that's not 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 yeah. Don't, don't listen to me. Um, anyway, one final question I have for both of you. Um, let's assume that nobody is back because I have absolutely no idea what Reading's injury front is. Uh, does Jamari Clark start next game? I'm assuming he has to, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, like, I, I think I think it's going to be a resounding yes, isn't it, Alex? I can't see a way that Puskas starts next game if, if no one else comes back. Yeah, what what if Hoyler and Halilovic are back? Does Clark still start then? I think so. You've thrown too many variables, and I, I can't work it out in my head. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I will like... say, if if Hoyler comes back and is fully fit, then I think Hoyler would start ahead of Clark, but the Clark would come on ahead of Puskas. Yes, uh, yeah. So yeah, I I think I agree with you there. Although. I think you do have to man manage Puskas a little bit. You like you have to be a little bit careful that he he's going to get some game time because, well, you, I guess you might not have to. He's still he's still here for another year, right? Puskas's contract doesn't expire till 2023. Yeah, God, years are so difficult nowadays, aren't they? Uh, 
I think you do and you don't, right? I think you're going to end up potentially with a situation a little bit like Sam Baldock, where actually everybody's aware that you're not going to get that much game time uh, and your contract is pretty much just going to be, it's almost going to be a case of like running your contract out to the end and then leaving on a free and the club are aware of it, the players are aware of it and it's just kind of an unspoken thing. Uh, we could get to a situation with Puskas where that that is the, the situation. He's actually in contracts until 2024 as well. Um, he's oh, under really? five-year contract, yeah, when he that... when, when he joined. So the thought the thought of having a second Sam Baldock on the team, Alex, that's that that's kind of put a downer on the end of this podcast. I have to say. <laughs> well, well, can I can I try and bring the mood back up because I had actually thought that I'd made this up because I tried watching the highlights and didn't see it. Uh, but Liam Moore actually made up for his earlier mistake with an incredible goal line header clearance thing that I still don't know how he did. Um, did you two see this? Did, have you? No, exactly. Because it's not in the normal highlights. It, but I And this is where like, I don't want people to pile on Liam Moore because the early thing, because actually when you go and watch the other thing, it's unbelievably good. And I don't, I still don't understand it. Like the ball was passed southward and he still somehow... going to have to hunt that out. I haven't, don't, don't remember it. Yeah, well... Yeah. I, I honestly thought I'd made it up because I thought I was thinking of the Dini chance where I thought he'd put it onto his own post. But but Jordan reliably informs me that I haven't and that it actually happened. So I just just wanted to put that out there because we like to be balanced on this podcast. Uh, we're not the BBC, but obviously all views are welcome. Um, yeah, so and we're both we're we're all happier now going into the international break, I think, obviously off the back of a win. Um what do Reading have to do coming back from that to to save Paunovic's job? I guess like are we we're not well we're not expecting to go away and win every match from from this point. What what level does Paunovic have to be at that that Reading fans are happy that that the owners are happy and that you know that we can can be safe this season, Matt? Like what what level what level should we expect from this point? I guess is my question. Well, I think just to go back one question, I think what, what what he needs to do is get a few players back from injury. I mean, I know we've said that since eternity, seemingly this season, but that can't be understated. You know, how much of an impact that's probably had on Paunovic's selections, his tactics and obviously his fortunes. Um, I mean, that's probably going to have a big bearing on expectations between the end of the international break and Christmas, I'd say. Because if you've not got any players back, it, it, it's been a really hard one with Panovic because you can't really tell if he's done a good job or a bad job because he's not had anything really to use. He's had nothing at his disposal. Um, so it's I know we keep keep saying it, keep saying it, keep saying it, but it it, it it's this never ending kind of. Um, run really that we're on right now with injuries just get some players back and then if if you can start getting some players back i know he he commented on having a few few coming back um in his post-match interview that will give him some options then you could maybe look at look at trying to get a get a run together otherwise you're just hoping i think or i kind of am hoping for results alex like yeah are we are we still at a stage where we're avoiding relegation more than trying to climb up the table i think the easy yeah the easy way to look at it is 
are we 10 to 12 points ahead of whoever's in 22nd place? And if we are, then I don't Good. really see a reason that Paunovic is going to go. Mm. Um, yeah. And uh, as much as as much as I would love to say, yeah, we're going to look up the table, it's very difficult to, because you know that we're going to lose some points at some point this season. And um, the, I mean, the table is very, very tight. That is one kind of, I guess, positive um, for us. We're only four points off of QPR in sixth place. So despite the fact that we've, you know, had a pretty awful run for the last five weeks or so, and people have asked for Paunovic to go and and that he's clueless and, you know, we are only four points off of sixth place. So it's, it's a difficult, um, it's a difficult one to to kind of judge as to where we're going to be in a month's time because the, the league is so tight. And Reading are so, I guess, unpredictable. Well, unpredictable with results, perhaps. Maybe not style of play. Reading are streaky, aren't they? That is what we were saying before. And, like, I don't know how the streak works if if we win and then there's an international break. Uh, That could completely change things for for Reading. But Hanovich has never tried that theory before, really, has he? (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, just... International breaks are where we tend to change things, but anyway, let's let's hope we have some players back um, for after the break. Um, during the break, we'll have our normal kind of monthly review pod, which is going to be interesting for December when there is no international break. But we'll we'll leave that for then, um, and well, just in, enjoy it. Enjoy going into the international break on the back of a win. Uh, thanks very much, Matt. Uh, thanks very much, Alex. Um, and have a good fortnight, everyone.